Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you. The Eagles have finished their off-season program with the veterans. Anyway, they've got the rookies in for the remainder of this week for some final fundamental work. So it's been interesting to see the new way of the NFL. No contact, no pads, no helmets, no 11-on-11, no 7-on-7. Really an emphasis on working on the basics. And let's begin the podcast right there with a comment from Nick Sirianni, Eagles head coach, last Friday, talking about that very thing. What did he learn from seven weeks of an offseason program? Four of them virtual, three of them on the field at the NovaCare Complex. Here's coach Nick Sirianni. It's about us as coaches putting them in the right spots to let those talents shine. So, you know, what we did find out is what guys need to work on as far as their fundamentals go and what they're really good at as far as their fundamentals go. And so that was the development there and what we figured out. You know, sure, we didn't get to see seven-on-seven and team drills, but this is what it felt like this year. Last year, you had none of this, right? Everybody was on the same playing field. You had nothing. This is what it felt like to me, and I know it felt like this to a lot of our coaches, that every correction we made or every praise that we made, like even from walkthrough or from individual drill, it was so exciting to make that. Like we're just that much further ahead starting camp. We're going to be just that much further ahead. And that's three weeks of correction and praise when it's done the right way. And like, that's what was so exciting to me. So a lot of great work was done and we got a lot more to learn, but we know a lot about what our guys can do right now and still learn more. And then one final thing from coach Nick, just an update on Jalen Hurts. What did he see from Jalen Hurts in this offseason? Again, very little, you know, opposition when you're running routes on air. So you kind of don't do a hot take thing here. But there were things that the head coach really liked about his second-year quarterback. You know, I just thought that Jalen had a he, – he is a relentless worker. He is a relentless worker. He comes to work every single day with the intent to get better every single day. And, like, I just saw well, – even from the Zoom meetings that when we got in, I just saw him take command of the offense and really just take command of the offense and was just on it. You ask him a question, he's on it. You, and it's really translated into walkthroughs on the field and in drill work. And so really impressed with his command, his attention to detail, his work ethic. Um, he, he's got he's got all those intangibles right there, and I was really impressed with with that from him. And then, you know, and and then just on the field, you know, he's just got a really compact throwing motion where he can get it out with ease, um, and and super athletic. And when he's throwing on the run and, and moving and, and reading the defense, and so really really pleased with a lot of things that he did. All right, so in this Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. We're going to hear from the voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese, who obviously is very excited about what's ahead. But he goes out on a limb, a big-time limb, talking about first-round draft pick Devontae Smith. Just how good can number six be? Merrill Reese thinks really good, like really, really good. We'll hear from Merrill in just a bit. We'll also hear from Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard, 
Who's ready? I mean, we know about the tight end situation. Zach Ertz on the roster. We don't know his future. And Dallas Goddard's been a productive player. He has it all. So we'll hear from him and talk about his development. But let's begin with a a really great story and and a really key player. I mean, this Eagles offensive line is one that is annually one of the best in the league. That wasn't the case in 2020. Brooks went down with a torn Achilles tendon, suffered in a spring rehabilitation workout. Boy, was he missed. But he's back. He was cleared last December. He's ready to go. He looks great. And he thinks he's going to come back just as good as he was before. And that is encouraging. Imagine a right side of the offensive line with Brooks and Lane Johnson together again. Why can't they be the very best in the league in 2021? Here we go. An exclusive one-on-one Brandon Brooks coming back from a major injury. He says he's not worried one bit. Back on the football field and honestly all smiles, Brandon Brooks joins me, Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Hey, out at practice the other day, we're all looking at you stretching and you just seem joyful, Brandon. I mean, it's got to feel good to be back on the field. Yeah, it's it's great to be back. Um, There's a lot of energy and buzz in the building. but the biggest thing for me is just being back out there with the guys. Uh, you know, last year was my first year where I missed an entire season. So, you know, I had time away to, you know, get healthy physically and also, you know, mentally from that that aspect. So, yeah, you know, just being out there, man, taking it day by day. And, you know, the fact that, you know, I get to go out there and just have fun with the guys, man, is, is good enough for me. When somebody gets something they love taken away from them sometimes, it – kind of tells you, hey, that absence makes your heart grow fonder. Did you find that last year when you couldn't play? Yeah, I mean, you know, watching the games and, you know, I would almost do like a walkthrough myself. I'm walking through as if I'm out there playing um, and, you know, how I would do it, you know, trying to help guys out. But, yeah, you know, having something taken away from you and you you can't do it um, really just fuels a fire. makes you, you know, that much more uh, hungry. So, uh, you know, just like the – the Achilles injury before, you know, it just, just sparked that fire uh, that much more. Has, how have you overcome, Brandon, the, the mental part of rehabbing as much as you've had to rehab the last few years? That does take a tremendous toll on the body and also on the mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, when the first, the first Achilles happened, it was like, oh, God, like, you know, you, you hear Achilles and it's like, you know, some guys don't come back or if they do, they're not. The way I saw it was – you know, in the NFL, you know, you're blessed to have access to the, you know, the best physical trainers and the best doctors. So I go to a great doctor, and then the rest is really on me, like as far as the rehab and the, and the push when I need to push and to really, you know, go hard, man, twice as hard as I would as if, you know, I was healthy. Um, and then when the second one happened, I just laughed because uh, I've been down this road. It did suck. Like, let me not just say, like, you know, yeah, but at the same time, I knew I could come back. And the only question now or when it happened was, you know, could I beat the clock as far as, uh, you know, getting back for the end of the season or can I be faster rehabbing than I, than I was before? So. And you actually practiced late last year. Can you explain again why you, why you did that? Well, um, I think it was the week before. I think if we had a one um, or one out, we would have got to the playoffs. And my whole thing was if we got to the playoffs, I was on play. So um, I wanted to be ready just in case, you know, we did. And even if we didn't, um, you know, I wanted to go out there and show, like, hey, I'm, I'm back. I did it again. You know what I mean? Not just, you know, to my teammates, but to myself. 
So. How did it feel to be back on the field at that time, Brandon? It felt good. Yeah. Um, you know, no injury or no uh, issues with the, the Achilles and to be back out there running around and to be back around the guys, like you said, having something taken away, man, um, even just, just getting a little taste of it again, man, it's, I can't explain it, you know? Let me ask you this with all due respect, because I wasn't as close to you last year, obviously, with COVID and everything, but it appeared that you lost a lot of weight, that you really leaned out. How, how much did your weight fluctuate? Like, how far down did you go, if I may ask that question? Yeah, I lost a, you know, a ton of weight. Um, and when I tore my Achilles, I want to say I was like maybe 310, 315. Yeah, my whole thing was I wanted to just get down and then kind of build back up to maybe 25, 30, which I am now. But once I tore my Achilles, as a big guy, you know, a lot of times we go the opposite way. You know, we get bigger, right? So I just wanted to prove to myself that whenever I do get done, you know, I can uh, – you know, go down and actually lose a weight. Oh, know, yeah. Following the right plan. So, you know, let's just say I was, you know, I was around a 300 mark. and uh, Really? That lean and you still weighed 300? Yeah. But, uh, you know, now I'm back up to 325, 330. I mean, um, I was guessing 250s. Like, you were so ripped. It was incredible. For all the people who are trying to lose weight out there, what's the key? Uh, honestly, the biggest thing, and I, I feel like people say this all the time, is the nutrition. I had somebody cooking healthy, you know, meals that, you know, tasted great. And I could, you know, almost eat as much as I want and, you know, feel good. And really, and other than that, you know, the boxing and, uh, you know, the jiu-jitsu and stuff really, you know, just got it off me. So Did, did it have that have an impact, Brandon? Maybe you felt so great that you continued to uh, – um, use those principles to gain the weight back so that now you got the weight back and you feel even maybe better than you did before. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I had to put a little fat, a little bit more fat in the diet because what I did at first was I just tried to eat more of what I was, but it was just getting burnt up so fast. So I just, you know, add a little bit more fat into the diet and, you know, was able to put, you know, the, the pounds back on. Well, you know, not fat pounds, but, you know, the pounds the right way. So, yeah, you know, just keep, keep on that so I can maintain this weight I'm at now. And, you know, I, I do feel good, though. It's okay. awesome. How is it going on the field? How's it feel, even though there are walkthroughs here? Uh, to be back on the field, do you feel like the rust is being knocked off just from technique standpoint and the mental part of it? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't say there's necessarily any rust out there. Right. Why not? Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> my, my bad. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, not, you know, it, it feels good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, there's, there's always going to be some rust. You know, you, you miss a season, right? But feels good. Um, you know, day by day, I'm taking, uh, you know, step by step. And, you know, just really just each day, just keep building, keep building. I mean, yeah, that's, that's how I see, you know, every year. So. I, I loved, Brandon, the way you spoke to the media talking about you and Lane, that you guys are going to be the best again. Can you kind of talk about that? I, I think that this is such a huge part of this 2021 football team. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we, we both got hurt last year, right? You know, missed the majority of the season. Um you know, we're, we're 30 plus, you know, the, the big question is, can we do it again? Or can we get back to the level that we, that we were? I mean, there's no doubt. I, it's just, uh, I'm just confident in our abilities is a better way to say it. Um, I don't, I don't look at, you know, because I'm in my thirties or because I'm coming off to Achilles. The biggest thing is I've, I've come back from Achilles and, and was the best. So like, I don't, I don't have any other thoughts. Like I don't see it any other way. And, 
you know, it's just, you know, how I see it. I, I'm, I'm sure Lane sees it the same way. Um, yeah, you know, we have some things to prove, you know, again, people saying, you know, we're too old or we're, we're injured, blah, blah, blah. But injuries are part of the game. People get injured all the time, you know. When we, when we come back, you know, we're going to do what we need to do. I love that. Brandon, final one for you. Packed house at Lincoln Financial Field once again in 2021. Have you daydreamed at all about what it's going to be like being in front of the fans again? Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be insane. It's going to be rocking. Um, I mean, I know the Lynx going to be screaming. It's going to be on fire, man. I, I'm getting excited talking about it, to be honest. And it's not even just the season, but I know we got those two open practices in the Lynx. And I know that's going to be crazy. So I'm excited to have the fans out there, man. And, you know, the fans play a big part, you know, into getting us hyped up and into getting us going. So it'll be great to you know, have them back out there and, I mean, shit, we got the best fans in the league, man. So I'm looking forward to it. Brandon Brooks, it'll be great to have you back on the field. We can't wait to see you in training camp first, preseason, and the regular season. Thanks so much. Great to see you, and great to see you back on the field. Hey, thanks for having me on. Great to be back out there. Is Dallas Goddard ready to be one of the very best tight ends in the NFL? He thinks so. His talent is certainly there, and he'll have an opportunity for a lot of receptions this season. The Zach Ertz picture, we don't know. That's going to play itself out. We do know that the Eagles are going to look at Goddard a lot, and he thinks he'll be among the very best in the NFL, one-on-one with Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard. In his fourth season with the Philadelphia Eagles, tight end Dallas Goddard joins me, Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Hi, Dallas. You're looking, I, I would say you look fresh right there. You look, you look like a little baby. What, I, I can't quite tell the difference because it's virtual. It's just clean shaven. Is that a little bit tighter? Is no, the there's, a, there's a little bit left. Um, you know, everybody tells me I look super skinny now because I don't have the big beard. I'm like, no, I just cut my beard. I weigh about the same, so you don't have to worry about that. But, no, it's just uh, I've kept it a little bit tighter this year. Hey, um, fourth year in the league. I know you told reporters when you spoke to them that it's flown by. Like, do you ever look back and kind of think about that, how quickly time in the NFL goes? Yeah, all the time. Um, you know, looking back at my rookie year, there's a few things that uh, stand out to me. It's the game in Chicago, uh, the playoff game, the double doink. Um, and, man, I watch that film every once in a while, and it's like, golly, I look like a rookie. And it feels like forever ago. At the same time, it feels like it was yesterday. It's like three seasons. It's kind of unbelievable, you know. Uh, going to the NFL, being able to play this long has been a blessing. And, you know, I just got to keep working and keep getting better so I can stay in the league as long as possible. So when you look at yourself from three years before, I mean, what do you see? What what looks so rookie-ish? I mean, just my footwork, uh, my angles, um, things in the past game where, you know, it might have been I was thinking a little bit more than I should have. You know, I wasn't comfortable. There was things I needed to improve. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's also a very good, cool feeling seeing my game develop year in and year out and see how I've gotten better in certain aspects and seeing the things that I continually need to continue to work on. Along with your game developing, do you think that the requirements of the position have also kind of developed and expanded and just kind of evolved? Is tight end a different position than it was in 2018? Yeah, it is a little bit. Um... That was, you know, it might have been a year before that that it started to develop. But, you know, that was the year Zach had all those catches. Um, so, you know, it became tight ends were the primary check down, the quarterback's best friend, their outlet. Um, you know, they're not just in there blocking. There's less pass blocking. 
Um, but then there's also the tight ends that only do blocking. I think it's a cool position because of the, you know, we're a little bit O-line, we're a little bit receiver, we're a little bit running back. Sometimes we're in the backfield doing protection out of there. Um, so just the amount of, I don't even know the word that I'm trying to say, but the amount of places we can be, the amount of things that we can do, uh, it's fun. We have to know everything, um, which puts a little bit on our plate, but that's how it should be. The amount of responsibilities you have, it's, it's incredible. Dallas, for you, year four, what is uh, your mindset going into 2021? My mindset, you know, I just got to go out there, compete, uh, do what I can to help the team win. Uh, last year was my first year not making the playoffs, and that wasn't very much fun. So, you know, as a team, that's the goal. We got to get in in the tournament and uh, have that shot to play for the ultimate goal, the Super Bowl. Um, so just continue to get better and uh, go out there and help my team win in any way I can. Okay, so how do you, from an individual standpoint, how do you get better? Um, you know, with the new coaching staff, uh, things have changed. I've been working on my front side of inside zone um, and then just sticking my routes, being able to do a little bit of wiggle, um, being able to set up my defender a little bit better, um, work on my releases in case I get pressed a little bit more, um, things like that. You know, I have a lot that I can improve on, um, make my weaknesses my strengths and, uh, you know, just keep getting better. Throughout the spring here, you've been the veteran in the tight end room. And some of the tight ends in that room are trying to learn the position from other positions. And it's not that easy. What kind of feedback do you get from them? What are the really difficult nuances of learning to play tight end at this level? Just how much we have to know. You know, we have to, every time we go out there, we have to pay attention to the center, pay attention to the O-line calls. We have to be locked in. You know, whether they're A in it, Ron, Lou, uh, anything like that, we got to pay attention. But we have to know all the spots in the pass game because we could be the single receiver, which some people call the X. Um, you know, we could be n number three in a three-by-one. We could be number two. Uh, we could be number one. So we have to know every route that's in the playbook. We have to know what everybody's doing on every run. We have to know the adjustments that the O-line makes because uh, a lot of time that changes our assignment as well. So it's just you really have to know everything. And I tell the young tight ends, the tight ends that are uh, transferring over from other positions, you know, just pick one position, learn it, and then go to the next one. By the time you start putting it all together, um, you're just your brain's going to be in a scramble. You just have to, you know, figure it out, focus, study, 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 and then pick a new position, study, 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 pick a new position, study, study, study. And, you know, it just never really stops. You have to continually change because each week you have to know the fronts of the defense. You have to know the coverages. It's just uh, you have to know everything. I mean, it sounds to me like playing tight end in this league is just as much maybe more mental than it is physical, correct? Um, yeah, you know, if you know what you're doing – uh, and you have the mindset that you want to get the job done, you can do it. Um, but, yeah, if you don't know what you're doing, it makes it really hard, and uh, you'll look foolish out there sometimes. Dallas, tell me a little bit about how Nick and the offensive coaches, Shane, uh, Jason, how they're building camaraderie among the group. In addition to the X's and O's and the walkthroughs, are you doing things that are you know, allowing everybody to get to know each other again and to build that chemistry? Yeah, I think it's been awesome this year, the chemistry that the team has. Um, they obviously put the basketball hoop in the team meeting room. We've been shooting around there. Um, you know, obviously I'm the best on the team at the shooting, but um, we've had a few people playing beanbags. 
you know, it's just different things uh, that we can spend time, you know, talk back and forth as we're doing something else, competing, um, ultimately getting to know each other. And the better you know somebody, you know something about their life that you didn't know before, it makes it easier, you know. I want to go a little bit harder for this guy. I want to go a little bit harder for this guy. And the more guys that are connected like that, the better we can be as a team. So as a basketballer, we're talking about just playing horse, right? I mean, there's no, like, fake one-on-one stuff going on. Yeah, it's it's just it's just shooting three point contest. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like Steph Curry out there, but <laughs> I like the talk, the smack talk here. Uh, last one for you, Dallas. Look, the fans are coming back to Lincoln Financial Field this year. A, what was it like in 2020 without them, and how much are you looking forward to having that energy back in South Philadelphia? I'm I'm super excited to get the fans back. Um, last year, along with our record, along with not having fans in the Stadium, it sucked. Um, it, it was tough to play. Um, you know, the energy they bring, whether we're getting booed or cheered on, it doesn't really matter. Um, we want, we're playing for them, and when they're just at home, it's hard to tell that they're, they're really there with us. But when the link is rocking, there's nothing better. And we're looking forward to a lot of cheers starting in September at Lincoln Financial Field and elsewhere where the Eagles play. Dallas Goddard, thanks so much for joining. Can't wait to see you in training camp here at the Novacare Complex. Yes, sir. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Let's wrap up this Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group with the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, a very excited Merrill Reese. Merrill Reese, uh, I- I'm imagining that you are as antsy to get training camp going as maybe you've ever been. It seems like forever. And there's so much curiosity about this football team. Merrill, the question is, are you going to be able to last until July 27th when the players report to the Novacare Complex? Yes, I will. I, I will quiet myself down with golf. <laughs> That's what I'll do. But, uh, but as we get closer and closer to the 27th of July, uh, the the interest and the, the anxious feeling of, of wanting to see what this is all about in, in real football-related drills is going to be very exciting to me. Before we get into the topic I really want to talk to, and that's Devontae Smith, I want to ask you this. Now that we've had a few months to digest what Nick Sirianni is all about, the energy of this coaching staff, the youth of this coaching staff, is it at all um, similar to what you felt when Andy Reid came to town or Dick Vermeil came to town or any coach that you've experienced, a new coach in Philadelphia? I think the com the uh, the comparison, Dave, is more with Dick Vermeil than Andy Reid. Um, Andy had uh, Andy Andy, even though he was young, wasn't young and and really animated. Andy was always kind of laid back. Uh, Dick Vermeil came in with a with a real obvious obvious spirit and an energy that you could just feel all over. And I think that's that really is is what Nick Sirianni is all about, too, that energy, that excitement. Uh, and, and, of course, Andy went on to become a great coach, and this doesn't mean anything because there are different ways and different personalities. You have to be yourself. But I, I feel the energy with Nick that I initially felt with Dick Vermeil. I, I think that's a great comparison. Um, any other sense you have from Nick? I know you spent some time with him. Your, your thoughts on Nick and what Eagles fans can expect from him moving forward? Well, from a style standpoint, uh, from a schematic standpoint, that's something we're going to have to wait and see. I like the fact that he talks about adapting and uh, really molding his offense to suit the talent that he has. 
there are a lot of coaches and great coaches too that have systems and uh, they do everything they can to take the players that they have and, and orient them and get them into that system. Uh, and listen, it's worked for Dick Walsh, uh, for, for Bill Walsh. Uh, Bill Walsh had the West Coast offense and he made sure that he had a quarterback in Montana that could run that West Coast offense. Don Shula wanted a drop back quarterback and mobility was not really an issue when he went out and got, uh, of course, uh, the, 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 the Marino, Dan Marino was great, but he was not a mobile quarterback. But these were coaches who had very, very definite systems and everything had to fall into that system. I think Nick is open to adapting his system based on the talent that he has. Merrill, good stuff. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Eagles' number one draft pick and Devontae Smith. And we've been at practice a little bit during these modified OTAs, uh, new look, new world in the NFL. So we take it with very reserved um, kind of hot takes because there's no contact, there's no 11-on-11, there's no 7-on-7. But I know that you are very high on Devontae Smith, and I'd like to know how high you are on him and why you are so high on him. Dave, in addition to being uh, an NFL fan and broadcaster, I also love college football. I also love high school football. I also love anything that has the word football in it. And uh, (laughs) on a Saturday afternoon, I'll watch a bunch of games. When we get into a city, uh, I would go up and watch the Saturday afternoon, the 4 o'clock game. And then when we got back to the hotel after dinner, I'd put on another game or two. And and that's how much of a, a football fan I am. And I watched a lot of Alabama football because they were on every week. And I watched a lot of Devontae Smith. And I cannot tell you how many times I thought to myself, boy, would I love to see Devontae Smith as an Eagle. It's never going to happen. There's no way that they're going to end up with Devontae Smith. But wouldn't it be amazing if if a guy like Devontae Smith was wearing Eagles midnight green? And, of course, the draft came and my dream came true. And uh, everything I have seen about him uh, on the practice field has been truly amazing. He's been outstanding. Uh, Again, we're not talking about contact rules, but we're talking about speed. We're talking about grace. We're talking about leaping ability. We're talking about great hands. I'll tell you, I have never been more excited about any rookie wide receiver in the 45 years that I've been broadcasting these games. Of course, since that, that, that does not include your broadcast partner, Mike Quick, who I, I know you were <laughs> over the moon with. Uh, in, well, in, I, I, well that, the, the truth of the matter is I, <laughs> I kid Mike, and I always tell him, well, back in 1956. But, but the truth of the matter is what I noticed Mike about, uh, most about Mike Quick when he arrived, and of course he was a late first-round draft pick, uh, that picked, I think, at the 20th spot. But the thing about Mike, when a ball was thrown to him, you would never hear it ha- hit his hands. I mean, there was there was such a a, a feel for the football; it just kind of disappeared into his grasp. But Mike never had the blinding speed of uh, Devontae Smith or that kind of leaping ability. And now we know he went on to become one of the greatest receivers in NFL history, even though you won't find him in the Hall of Fame, that's more a a product of the fact that he had injuries that didn't allow him to have that length of career. But certainly Mike is one of the best wide receivers who ever lived. And if Devontae Smith turns into a Mike Quick, 
that would be just fine. Thank you. Okay, so then I we, we did an event with some season ticket members, some premium members, and I felt, Merrill, that you went on a limb. And so I want you to repeat what you said that night about what I you think, think Devontae Smith think, will be. I think Devontae Smith will be a megastar. He will be absolutely a superstar, not just another very good wide receiver, not just another Pro Bowl wide receiver. I think he has the ability. I think he has the temperament. I think he has the passion. I think he has the desire. I think he has the football intelligence to be a great, great player. Merrill, I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Work on your short game. Work on all of your golf game. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll get together in, in six weeks and, and get ready for training camp. And the preseason, Seriously, I'm, actually, it, I'm so excited about the preseason schedule. I, I want to see football. I am too. Believe me, I am. And I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more during this preseason than we have in other preseasons. In other preseasons, uh, you would see the players, you'd see the, the regulars, the starters, play for maybe a series in the first game and, and maybe close to a half in the second game and um, a little bit more, never more than a half. I think that because of, of what the, the fact, number one, there's only three of these games, and number two, there is a, a coaching staff that really needs to see where these players are heading, and number three, these players themselves need the on-the-field time that training camp alone won't give them. They need, especially Jalen Hurts. You know, we never see the starting quarterback very much in the preseason, but Jalen Hurts, who I have a very high regard for, needs to have the, the actual game experience that the three preseason games will give him. Maybe the last one they hold them out, but you know what? The last one isn't the week before the season now. The last one is two weeks before the season. They actually have a bye week before the September 12th opener. So uh, I, I like to see a lot of Jalen Hurts in the preseason. I love it. Merrill, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your summer, and uh, let's have a great 2021 season together. Thanks, Dave. Always fun to speak with you. That will do it for this Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining me. Thanks to Peter Kelly, Trevor Hayes, Ray Doyle for their work. Thanks to all of you for joining each and every week. If you have a moment to give us a review, please do so. We've got a link for you right there in the details section of your podcast library. Thanks for joining, everyone. We'll be back next week and every week throughout this offseason. Training camp begins. Can you wait for six weeks? It's going to be a lot of fun when it all kicks off. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles, fly. Welcome to Season 2 of Return Game, Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood, presented by Novacare Rehabilitation. There's been no brotherly love between these two franchises. It's a rivalry that started when the Eagles were world champions, and it spanned decades with no signs of letting up. The minute the schedule came out, the Dallas Cowboys were circled on the schedule. They were our target. Sure, this might be the city of brotherly love, But there is no love lost when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. Some fans can't even utter the name of this bitter adversary. America's team. So how did we get here? Philly crowd was tough. This season, we take you from the hit that started it all. The first thing you saw was Timmy getting up off the ground with blood.
screaming out of his mouth and his helmet off. To the rise of the Cowboys under Tom Landry. Everybody hated us. Everybody wanted to beat us. They really do hate us, don't they? To Dick Vermeil in the illustrious NFC Championship triumph. To Buddy Ball, the Bounty Bowl, and fourth and one. Here we go, fourth down. They give it to Smith and they stop him again! They stop him again! It's Groundhog Day! It's Groundhog Day! They did it again! And the pickle juice game. And the return of T.O. And 44-6. to And we could go on and on. And we do. You'll hear all of these stories firsthand from the legends who live them. A true all-pro roster of Eagles greats spanning the decades, including Ron Jaworski, Harold Carmichael, Mike Quick, Seth Joyner, Clyde Simmons, Troy Vincent, Bobby Taylor, Brian Westbrook, Jeremiah Trotter, Connor Barwin, Brent Selleck, and many more. It's the beloved heroes, the load villains, and the iconic moments that make this one of the greatest rivalries in the game today. And for Eagles fans, the one that matters most. It didn't take long to figure out that Philadelphia Eagles fans hated the Dallas Cowboys. When it comes to the birds and boys, you think you know the whole story. But there's more, so much more. And we're about to uncover it all. Return game, birds, boys, and bad blood. Coming soon wherever good podcasts can be found. Subscribe now so you don't miss a minute of the action.